It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson. Goodbye. Touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten. And here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Maybe on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know and that's <laughs> the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen. Thank you. Welcome to Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined to do an X and O quick hits on the Jets' newest addition, to the starting offensive line that of course ryan khalil mr joe blewett the co-host of toj film room along with 11-year nfl veteran and hero of the monday night miracle marcus coleman joe it is good to have you on i've been waiting to talk to you about ryan khalil i spoke to tony dunn from the c3 panthers podcast who i know you know well because you appeared on their show to break down brian burns so let's talk about Ryan Khalil's film because Tony told me everything I needed to know from what he had learned watching him with the Panthers, but now it's time to really dig underneath the hood. Nobody does that better than you. So let's start with one of Tony's observations. He said that one of Khalil's biggest assets is his brain, that he's a smart player, and that at center he is going to help both Darnold and the rest of the offensive line organize and keep everything straight and be a cerebral presence for that line. Is that what you found when you watched this film? Uh, yes, Scott. You're not going to ask me how I did or nothing. It's been, you know, it's been a little bit. I, I only get a question about, you know, how are you? What are you up to? No, it's okay. I, I see uh, what's, what's going on here. Um, but, okay, yeah, hang on, hang on. Joe, how you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, Scott. I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. Um, trying to pump out uh, more film reviews before the season comes. I'm excited that I'm actually getting to watch new football and uh, trying to push to 3,000 followers before that happens. So we'll see if that can happen. But, you know, I appreciate you um, asking me, you know, how I'm doing without me having to kind of nudge you to do it. So I really appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, just in terms of, like, his, his – how much of a veteran he is. He's been in the league for X number of years. It's been over 10 years or – or so um, he's seen a bunch of fronts. He's seen a bunch of a bunch of blitzes. He's seen four three overs and unders and four two fives and 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 two five uh, fours. And he's seen every single front and, and blitz and everything that defense will try to do. So he's going to help Darnold recognize that pre snap. He's going to help him in the film room uh, start to look for keys and what to do. I'm sure they're in the film room together, you know, already. And even on the field from the offensive. Um, the offensive line standpoint in terms of picking up exchanges and stunts, he's always going to be, or nine times out of 10, he's going to be where he should be. So it's not like a guy like, like Harrison or long or Wesley Johnson in the last few years who were undisciplined and, and inconsistent with technique and, and picking up things they needed to, to pick up, even though we did talk about Harrison, I think he's actually a little bit um, undervalued by some fans. I think he's actually a really good backup, and I think he can actually develop into a decent starter, but uh, definitely taking clear over him. But uh, he still had some work technically, and like I said, picking up stunts and, and, and blitzes. Um, you know, he had, to, he had to improve in that area of his game where a guy in Khalil, uh, he 
already knows that stuff. He knows where to be. He knows how to react. He knows how to call things out. He knows to, how to identify, you know, the Mike linebacker. He knows how long to stay on a block. He has a good feel for taking over blocks and a bunch of things. He's, he's very, te- he's pretty technically sound for the most part. Um, and he'll help out, you know, everybody from Clutchio Semele and uh, Brian Winter just being next to a really consistent guy. And then obviously Sam Darnold, people have talked about it, you know, for, for weeks now about how he's going to help him identify defenses and coverages and he'll slide the line to certain protections. Uh, he'll set gap protections. He'll do a bunch of different things um, that they didn't have before. And, you know, that's why uh, we talk about Nick Mangold was so important for, for Sanchez. And obviously Nick Mangold was, you know, um, you know, older towards the last couple of years of, of his career, he didn't look as good, but you know, you can't overvalue what he was doing mentally. And after he, you know, left and uh, retired, all that stuff, you started to see a lot more blown um, assignments by the offensive line because he had a guy like Wesley Johnson. And like I said, the other, the other guys I named. So um, he's definitely going to help in, in terms of just the mentality and, and recognizing things for the entire offense. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Let's talk about run blocking and pass blocking, but we'll go one by one here. First, the run blocking. What's he going to add to the running game for the Jets? Yeah, so he's a guy um, you don't necessarily want him to – he's not going to get physical leverage on a guy. Um, And I mean by physical leverage versus like positional leverage, which I think he should get. Physical leverage is me getting under – or him getting under your pads and out leveraging you and lifting you up or pushing you backwards. You want him – um, to be a guy with positional leverage who, okay, you know, I'm trying to beat you to the A gap. So instead of using a lot of physicality, a lot of strength, obviously he's a, he's a smaller guy. He's, he's 295, I believe it is playing weight. So he's a smaller center in the league. So he's not going to, you know, power guys and drive guys off the ball. Like a guy like Clutch assembly will, if you're going to ask him to, you know, bucket step or drop step and, and get in front of a guy quicker than that guy can get there. He's still able to do that. So um, he definitely has some, some good athleticism uh, still. He has quick feet. He has loose hips. So he's really good um, in terms of, like I said, getting, getting in front of guys um, kind of like a guy, like almost like Jonathan Harrison was, was good at doing that. They're kind of the same center in, in that, in that standpoint, a guy like 
Garrett Bradbury from the draft was a, more of a positional leverage guy than a physical leverage guy. So uh, he could definitely move. He'll fit a zone scheme, you know, well. Like I said, um, with Pollock, he's he's going to be running more zone than anything else. Even though there will be a mixture of of every other type of different run. No no team just runs one specific run or one type of specific run. Um, so he definitely fits the scheme well. Um, the the farther you ask him to go out, I think the better he is. Um, in terms of okay, you know, outside zone, mid zone might be a little bit better for him than than inside zone, tight zone because inside zone, tight zone starts to go more to, to drive blocking, getting the guy off the ball. Where uh, outside zone, mid zone, um, wide zone is more just positional leverage and getting in front of a guy and kind of just slowing him down instead of actually physically moving him. Um, so he he fits the scheme uh, definitely well. Um, he's a, like I said, he's a smart player. He knows how to, how to pick up a bunch of things. Um, and in terms of kind of a, an extension of the run game with the screen game, uh, he's, he's, he still can definitely move. That was something I, that was surprising to see at his age. I think he's, I, I forget his age, what, 33, 34 years old. Um, he's still very good at getting out on screens. I, I showed multiple plays on his review, um, on Twitter already, and I'm still continuing that now. And, um, in a couple of days, I'll still continue it, but, um, he's very good at getting out in, in front of running backs, in front of receivers. You see him multiple times running down the field and blocking not just one secondary player, but two secondary player, um, breaking the running back or, or the receiver free for, for a big gain. So uh, he could definitely still move. Um, so he offers that. Now when you're going into the run game, you're talking about you know power or, or ISO or anything where you have to really move a guy out of a gap. Um, he's not really going to be able to drive guys a lot because, like I said, his, he – he doesn't have the necessary size to do so. Um, he'll have good technique for the most part. Like I said, there are still some technique things we might get into um, that he can struggle with, um, but he's not going to really drive guys. And I think in, in the run game, uh, his biggest struggle is, is against those those big, big players um, that, that you could see last season where, I put, where I'm putting it up. Uh, Damon Harrison, he struggled with when he was playing the Lions. And then when he's playing the Ravens, they have two monsters inside with Brandon Williams and, and Michael Pierce, who are like, I think they're like, their list is like 230. I think, no, not 230. I think it's 337 and 242 or something like that. So they're big, big dudes. So even if he does have the best technique, um, he's not going to really be able to move those guys. So uh, you want him, like I said, positional, not physical leverage. Um, but that kind of does work with the Jets scheme. So. I want to come back to technique in a bit, but first let's talk about Ryan Khalil, the pass protector. What did you see when you looked at his film in that area? Yeah, he's 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 good at pass protection for sure. Uh, you didn't see him get beat a ton. Um, now there was some times where, or there were some times where um, with the Panthers, I'm not sure what his stats were and all this stuff. We, we've talked about PFF plenty of times, and it just goes back to what I've been saying, that I don't really like how they rank things. And you saw that over the first game where everybody's saying how good Darnold looked. He had like one of the lowest quarterback rankings, which is which is just ridiculous at this point. So I don't know what they ranked him, what people think, um, and what his sack numbers were. But there's multiple times on film where I saw that he didn't have the best guards around him, and he would have to stay with a penetrator you know, on a stunt a little bit longer to allow one of the guards to pick him up before you try to pick up the looper because obviously, you know, the penetrator is the guy who's going to penetrate at first and then the looper's going you know, to loop around him. So the penetrator is the, the first threat that you have to pick up. He would pick that up and try to pass it off to the guard, but the guard wouldn't pick it up quick enough. And then he'd be a little bit late to get out to, to the looper, get inside to the looper, which was not necessarily his fault. It was a couple of times where he got his hands on, but he just wasn't able to... Uh, kind of widen out that that looper and he'd allow a sack I saw that one or two times but it wasn't really his fault it was the guard's fault so um 
pass rush, I think he's smart, like I said, with all those things. He definitely has fluid hips. He's able to, you know, if he's if he's dropping, you know, to his right side uh, versus one technique to his right, and then that one technique, you know, uh, goes into a gap opposite of him or goes into, let's say, the, the B gap, and now the guard picks him up. If he recognizes a blitz coming, he's really able to drop that left foot, which would be his post uh, – drop his post foot, which would be that left foot in that scenario, um, in one step, get his hips come up completely around and jump on guys. So he's he's nice hips, fluid, quick feet. Um, there is some sloppiness at times in terms of his kick slide where his his hands almost look like they're like Mr. Miyagi, like uh, Danielson doing that freaking hand motion or whatever it is called, uh, wax on, wax off, where it's, it's kind of awkward at times where I'd see his hands a little bit more in an on-guard on position a little bit tighter to his chest, but um, that's kind of a little criticism. And there are times where, like I said, if, if he has a good anchor and he, and he anchors well and he knows when to hop back, he, he knows when to, to go double under, he knows when to push or to lift guys, um, which is basically just when, when guys are bull rushing, you want to lift. You don't really want to push against them. You want to get under their pads and lift them up physically. You can't, you're not going to push against another guy who's pushing. Um, that's not how it works. So, um, he knows how to do that stuff. Now, when it comes to bigger guys, there's sometimes where he might get blown back a little bit because of his size. But overall, um, his his he knows when to jump set. He knows when to root his feet down. He knows when to foot fire. He knows when to get into a pass set. Um, he takes proper depth to pick up uh, stunts and and twists and gap exchanges and all you know all that stuff. And he actually has really strong hands as well. There's a couple times where you'll see him, like I said, because of his lower weight, where he'll get tossed around a little bit but his hands are so damn strong that he'll stay on the block. So instead of getting tossed out of the way and then just completely disengaging with the, whoever's rushing at you know him at that point um, and letting them get free to the quarterback, you'll see him be able to recover because his hands get on you and his hands do not really leave you when they get on you. So he has really strong hands and that allows him to recover at times when his upper body gets tossed around a little bit. So that's a, that's a positive. But overall, I would definitely say uh, his his pass coverage is definitely it's it's definitely a, a plus trait. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a sixty game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Let's talk technique now. Give me the positives and negatives of what you saw on film in terms of technique with Ryan Khalil. Yeah, such a loaded question because um, there's, so, there's so many examples. Like when you do a, a film review of like 40 plays, there's so many examples of different things. Um, but I would say generally in the run game, uh, he, has, he has, for the most part, it's good technique, quick hands on you. He, he really does work his hips to cover gaps, which is good because you really need to cover gaps. You don't want to, which is basically just getting your hips in front of the guy. You don't want to just cover a gap with your arm because if you, you can work through arms a lot easier, you can work through a full body with good rooted feet um, underneath of that base. So uh, he's good at doing that. But with a problem that he has sometimes in the run game, and it was weird because no, it wasn't really weird, actually. Through the first 10 weeks I, or 10 or so weeks of the season, uh, he looked better than he did later in the season. And there was a game, I think it was game nine or 10, that he went out for a play or two. And then after that, he looked a little bit uh, less active with his feet. And he wasn't driving as much. So I, I did think he had an injury that affected him later in the season. And maybe that did affect his game. Um, I'm not sure exact, what the exact injury was, but I would, I would guess that it was lower body um, injury that he, that he suffered and continued to play with throughout the season. Um, you know, down the, the latter half. So, uh, 
overall, the technique in the running game is good, but the, the thing he does do at times, which, which like I said, will get him beat at times, is he has a tendency to, to duck his head a little bit and lean into guys with, without a strong base. Um, so you'll see that with wide hands at times where guys will be able to splash him and control his chest. And then once once the guy gets control of your chest and you're already leaning into it where you don't really have a strong base, you'll see them get pull or jerk um, you know, out of that gap or, you know, to the side or wherever the defensive lineman wants you to go. So uh, he does struggle with that, you know, at times. But I saw that, like I said, later in the season more. So it seemed like he was almost leaning because something was wrong with his lower body. Um, but his punch is, is too wide at times where um, I think that also kind of uh, aids to the to the fact that I said that he's he can't really drive guys too much because if your hands are wide, it's, you're not controlling that center of mass. You want to control that center of mass to be able to drive guys. You know, if you're trying to uh, push a guy, you know, grab his shoulders or or grab him, you know, push him by his chest, there's a big difference there. So um, those are the, the two major weaknesses in, in the run game. But other than that, uh, like I said, his, his his hips are quick, his feet are, are quick. He gets his he works his hips to get in front of guys. Um, he knows, you know, how to uh, use a scooch technique and, and lose ground to gain ground with, with uh, drop steps and brace steps. And he knows how uh, to take on combo blocks. He knows how to be the, the, you know, the high leg, which is basically the guy who's going to leave the combo block. He knows how to be the postman, which is the guy who takes over the combo block um, or sometimes is even first engaged, but is more responsible for that combo block. I know I'm using a lot of phrases that people are like, I don't know what he's, you know, this is stupid. I'm just going to click off, but um, he's, he's very solid in the, in the run game. Like I said, he's not going to drive guys, but there are some minor technical things that he could fix. I just don't think he's going to, cause he's going to year like 27 or whatever it is. So <laughs> right. he, he, he is, he is what he is, but it's, it's definitely a plus trait. He's not, he doesn't have a negative. He doesn't have a, he's not a negative in the run game or the pass game. Like a guy like, you know, Beecham or, or shell are. So Joe earlier on, you touched on, how he would fit in the Frank Pollock system, and you said that he would be a good system fit. You talked a little bit about that, but I think there's more meat on the bone. Can you get into, in more detail, the type of fit that he's going to be for Frank Pollock and this offensive line? Yeah, well, like I said, he's a guy, like I said, with positional versus physical leverage. Um, the man-blocking schemes, the you know the, the ISOs, the powers, the the counters, the the dart plays, the pin and folds, the pin and folds, all those plays where it's, it, you know, you're either you're down blocking, you're blocking back, um, you know, you're pulling, which he could, he could definitely pull or, you know, out on sweeps or even, you know, pin and pull, uh, pin and fold, that type of stuff. If he's a puller, I'm, I'm more comfortable with that because he can definitely move. Um, now, if you're asking him to, to down block a, you know, a, a one technique on the backside who, who is going to try to shoot hard to that play side and really move him, uh, I don't think that's the best type of scheme for him because, like I said, he's a he's a lower weight type of guy, so you could struggle with a 330-pound, 340-pound nose tackle in that type of scheme. But now if you're asking him, you know, uh, you know, relative to Frank Pollock's scheme where it's a lot of zone, um, I'm going to be interested to see if it's more inside zone, um, outside zone, which I, right now it looks like it's going to be more inside zone, mid zone, than it's going to be outside wide zones, um, which is all just basically the running backs track and where they're aiming at and how the – offensive lineman block and you know etc but um those type of schemes the zone schemes are more positional leverage you want to get in front of a guy you want to cover that gap uh it's more athleticism versus power where the the man schemes the the powers is is more i'm going to move you me versus you um you know and it's it's a lot of just power and, and, and leverage instead of uh well i guess i guess the zones are leverage as well but it's more 
uh, horizontal athleticism, getting quick at your stance, um, footwork, uh, that type of, of thing. So it definitely plays better to him to be able to use athleticism versus power. And that's, that's the, at the very basis of those schemes. That's, that's what it, that's what it is. Um, and in zone, the more inside you go, the more power it is. So I think he's the best fit for wide zone, outside zone, mid zone. Um, so I'm interested to see how the Jets do that, even though it does look like they'll be, like I said, more inside and, and, and mid. So um, it might be a little bit better with a team like the like the Falcons. Uh, the Rams run a lot of, of outside type zones, but I know the Jets will run enough of it. And like I said, even just inside zone versus those um, other schemes I was talking about, the man, the man blocking type schemes, um, gap blocking type schemes, uh, he's definitely better fit uh, for that zone than those. So um, it's definitely a good fit for, for the Jets and him. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Joe, you talked a little bit about how you think Ryan Khalil could help Sam Darnold's development. He obviously did a lot to help the development of Cam Newton. Now, we know that Cam Newton and Sam Darnold are two very different quarterbacks, two very different styles of play. But do you see him being able to be a similar positive force for Sam Darnold as he was for Cam Newton in Carolina? Oh yeah, for sure. Obviously, you're not you're not getting Ryan Khalil of, you know, of of seven years ago. And I didn't watch his film of seven years ago. I know he was, you know, a pro bowler. I believe he was an all pro as well. I'm not really too much into the awards stats and things like that, but I know he was considered a top five type center. Now, you know, at this point, is he is he a top five center? No, I don't think so. But is he in that ten to twelve to maybe thirteen range when you consider maybe even maybe even eight or nine when you consider you know all the things he's going to offer men- uh, mentally in the in the film room, um, on the field, calling out those blitzes and stunts and you know et cetera things that we talked about. Um, plus his physical ability, yes. So he's 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 still a good center. I'm still going to put him in the top half of centers in the league, which is a big upgrade for the Jets at this point because we talked about you know Harrison and Harrison was uh, he was. He was not good last year, but I, I see I, I saw room for improvement with consi- more consistent technique. But you know, Harrison was a guy who you know if if not, if uh, if he stayed where he's at, maybe he was bottom five to seven. Where if he improved that technique, maybe he could be you know sixteen to twenty in that range. So we're already looking at a guy who's going to be better than the best that Harrison was going to be. You know, in my opinion, at least for you know this season. So from just an athleticism standpoint and blocking and pass blocking, he's already better. Plus the ment- the, the mental side he's going to bring. Um, he'll he'll definitely help Darnold. Uh, there, there's no replacement for that. You know, Darnold is obviously a smart player, and you know it seems like the Jets are going to be trusting him more, especially you know. And I don't think they're going to run as much up tempo as they do in the pre as they have in the preseason. Um, but I th- I do think they're going to run more up tempo, which shows a, a trust in Darnold to be able to recognize defenses and, and call things out. Um, on the fly as he sees him instead of going into a huddle and getting the play from the sideline where, you know, in the no huddle, he gets to see, he gets to see and, and call things. 
he that Donald's obviously smart, but having a guy like Khalil, there's undoubtedly more defenses and stunts and 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 things he's seen that he can point out to Donald. Even if Donald is smart, he's he's not seen you know ten percent of what the NFL offers at this point. So uh, he'll definitely help him. Uh, the the mental aspect before I even watched the film is what we got me really excited about the Khalil signing and why I thought Khalil was uh, pretty much going to be the automatic starter because even if you could argue you know physical ability him versus Jonathan Harrison which you know physical physical ability is obviously important but technique is even more important than physical ability which which he has uh, you know a, a much better understanding than Harrison at this point um that but that plus his his the, the mental aspect that i thought of at first is, is why i was so excited so um definitely excited to see what he offers sam darnold i know he'll feel he'll make sam darnold feel much more comfortable at, at this point um you know in his career especially being you know 22 years old so there's no question that ryan khalil is an upgrade over jonathan harrison but how much of a difference do you think it makes having him as opposed to Harrison on that offensive line? We know where you think Harrison was probably going to shake out. You thought that best case scenario, he was going to be a little bit below average. And best case scenario for Khalil, he might be a little bit above average. But how much of a difference do you think that that's going to make for the offensive line? It, it, it makes a big difference. Um because like I said, it's it, you can't really replace the, the the mental side of it and knowing where to be and you know how to how to pick up stunts and you know there was times where Jonathan Harrison he wouldn't get deep enough in his drop and then you'd see a penetrator um, get right through or or looper get right through because Harrison you know eyes were weren't where, uh, where they were supposed to be so you know that might be a sack on the. Uh, guard, but really the guard was depending uh, on Harrison to be there because let's say they were sliding all to the left and then, you know, that three technique crosses the face of, you know, at that point, let's say, you know, it's, it's uh, James Carpenter or Spencer Long, that left guard, they cross their face, but okay, you know, Harrison's supposed to be there because that's what we, we, were, we were calling out pre-snap, but Harrison got distracted by a linebacker. Maybe he didn't get the call right. Maybe he didn't recognize you know, um, if they have if they have any automatic calls on the on the front line, uh, maybe he didn't pick that up because he didn't recognize something, and now they penetrate through the B gap. Harrison wasn't there, and oh well, now you know James Carpenter got beaten. Trust me, I'm not standing up for James Carpenter, Scott. I think I'm one of the first pre- uh, people who's like this guy is not good um, out of Jets fans, but uh, that's not going to happen with Khalil with, with with picking up stunts and and blitzes. So that helps the guards uh, right there, and knowing how to. Uh, use his body and and his positional leverage to pick up combo blocks and proper footwork to get in front of guys. He's going to help them a lot. They're not going to have to worry about you know staying in for an extra second to to throw a hand check in there uh, before they get to the second level because they're not sure if you know Harrison will will take a scooch technique uh, properly. But in, you know instead maybe he just tries to take a lead step and get right to him where he's not you know working to cover that gap on a wide zone. Like, there's a lot of different things I could I could go into in film. You could you'd you could just kind of state how a uh, more experienced and smart, technically sound center helps um, than a center who, like I said, and like you said, I think he could be near average, maybe a little bit below average if he really hit his ceiling and started to do uh, the proper things. Obviously, if somebody becomes elite technically, then they could be a top five center, but you can't, that's just unrealistic. You can't just become, okay, well, yeah, Frank Pollock comes in and, and makes, you know, J- uh, Jonathan Harrison, you know, Kevin Matt or, or Mawai. Um, then yeah, you know that's just unrealistic. So you have to be realistic with your expectations. But um, the the mental side, he, he definitely helps everybody in being where he's supposed to be. Because honestly, the the offensive line in terms of cohesion, uh, you definitely need it. 
um, more than any other position, in, in my opinion. You know, quarterback and receiver is definitely very important, too. But the offensive line is super, super important, uh, being where you're supposed to be at a certain time because you're all literally working as, like, one string uh, for many plays, especially in zone. So you have to expect a guy uh, to be there and on certain plays. If he's not there, uh, either you have to recover and it makes you look bad or, you know, Sam Darnold gets sacked. So uh, just being where you're supposed to be is going to help the offensive line a lot. Obviously, it's going to help Darnold a lot as well. So, um just that side of it helps helps the entire team. Um, and then from physical ability too, he's like I said, he's cleaner technically. So uh, if you're just talking about, okay, you know, he's top 10 to 12 versus, you know, 20 to 25, that's going to help. Would you say that even at 34 years old, he's a plus athlete for the position? Oh yeah. There, yeah, he is. It's, it's, uh, and that was something that surprised me. That was one of the first things I'm not just being, you know, Homer, there's times I kill people on film, but turning on his, his, his film and seeing how quickly he can cover gaps, how quick he is at his stances and how much they trusted him, uh, to, to pull because they, the, you know, the, the Panthers were, they did run a lot of, in, uh, inverted veers and QB powers and counters. They ran a bunch of different things and sweeps and, and, and jet sweeps and end arounds. They had a kind of like a, a more tricky running game and he was asked to pull and and go out on sweeps and screens a lot which obviously shows trust in him right there um to be able to do so you know they see it in practice if they if they told that he couldn't do that they wouldn't um put him out in those situations um they'd avoid that so so seeing that trust in him was a positive and then seeing how he moved he like i said there i, I put up multiple plays already of him running you know 40 yards down the field and blocking two defensive backs um in the same play within the same couple of steps where you know uh, you know, I don't know, block one defensive back, push him to the side, three more steps, uh, stays in line, gets his hip square to another defensive back, pushes him out of the way, and then running back, um, typically McCaffrey would get in for a touchdown or a big gain. So uh, undoubtedly he could still move um, better than a lot of a lot of centers could. So that's that's probably his best trait is, is his athleticism still, um, you know, minus, like I said, the, the mental technical aspect. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Here's the million-dollar question, Joe, and I know you hate when I do this to you, but it's going to be a little bit better this time because... How many pancake blocks do you feel that Ryan Khalil has this year? (laughs) See, it's not going to be something like that because there's no real stats involved. This is just more a matter of based on what you watched, what do you project him being able to do this year? Do you think that he's going to be able to hit that ceiling that you were talking about, which is maybe somewhere on the back end of that top half of the centers in the league so in that 12 to 15 range do you think that with the other guys around him he'll be able to do that or do you think that he might be a little disappointing this year because the guys around him have injury histories and maybe they won't be able to rise to his level what do you think no I I think I think he's going to be somewhere right in that in that 10 to 12 range to be completely honest I wouldn't even say like 12 to 15 I'm gonna say 10 to 12 because that's where I felt like he was last year um, when he played the Panthers and specifically, you know, earlier in the year, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what he was ranked. I'm going to assume he was somewhere in, in you know, league average. Um, but de- and it depends on health, obviously, and if they consider health. And I know he's over his career, he's been uh, generally healthy. I, I think he's only missed, like, I do not know the numbers, um, like, exactly, but I think he's, he's played like 150 games or something like that. And he's only missed, like, like, like four or five of them. So he might have battled some injuries, but he never really sat out a ton of games. Um, I could be wrong on that, but uh, I know it's somewhere right around. Like, he hasn't missed a ton of games this career. He's been generally healthy, so he doesn't battle a ton of injuries. He stays healthy. Um, the Jets medical staff is obviously uh, very, very highly regarded in the league, so I'm, I'm hoping that they can st- uh, keep him healthy. Um, 
So that's something you have to consider. But if he is healthy, like I expect him to be, uh, I think he'll be in that 10 to 12 range. And, and a lot of that comes from uh, I didn't see him looking old or looking slow last year, a real drop off in the, the season. It, it seemed like it was an injury that was bothering him because his feet just weren't as active um, for many plays later in the season as they were um, earlier in the season. And like I said, with the bad guard play around him, I don't know the, ne- the names of the left guard and right guard of the Panthers, but I could tell you that they were not very good. And I think from going from two bad guards to Clutchio Semley, who if, if the Giants game is, is, is foreshadowing what he's going to be, that looks like more of the of the assembly, the beginning of the year last year, and the the Pro Bowl type of assembly versus the latter half of you know 2018, where he, he clearly looked injured too, and he got beat a lot later in the year. Um, playing next to a Pro Bowl level guy in, in assembly, and then Brian Winters, who, um, like I said, is a very, very, very interesting player. Where super high ceiling, like super high um, flash plays, and then super low floor type plays. Like it's it's almost weird to watch, but I think a guy in Pollock um, is going to improve his technique. I don't I don't think people should overlook. Um, how good of an offensive line coach Pollock is. So having a really good offensive line coach with a pro ball level guard uh, to his left, and then a guy in Winters who I feel is maybe a little bit below average because of how high and low he can get. But if he uh, fixes that technique and is more consistent with a better offensive line coach, I feel like he could be you know somewhere around average. So having an average and pro ball guy next to him, I think helps. Uh, you know, plus having. Um, you know, a, a good run game, a good pass game. I, th- I think the offensive line. Um, and him could could be about average, but I, I think he, uh, for him himself, he could be uh, a little bit be- uh, above average. You know, like I said, maybe in that 10 to, to 12 range if we're going to tr- really try to rank 32 centers. So if you had to give this acquisition a letter grade based on what you've reviewed with the film and what you saw with Jonathan Harrison, so we know that it's an upgrade and it was a good move, what would you say? Would you give it an A? Uh yeah, I, I think I don't think there's any way to now people would say oh and a why couldn't you get Travis Frederick obviously you know guys like that uh, weren't available you know right. so you have to consider what they what they did at that at that time so I think getting a guy out of retirement um, I know there's some like uh, there's some incentives in the contract so if he doesn't play the full season you know he doesn't get the full eight and a half million dollars whatever it is so that's it's a good contract and I think having that center. Um, for a, a rookie quarterback or not a rookie, sorry, a second year quarterback is extremely important. You've heard football guys talk about it. I've talked about it with the center is the of the brain of that offensive line. He makes the whole thing run. Obviously the offensive line is very important to protect Darnold. Um, and it makes, like I said, it, it makes Darnold much more comfortable. It makes the guards much more comfortable. It helps everybody out. So considering what they could do at that time and or what Joe Douglas can do at that time, we're not going to go back and say, you know, they should have got Morse. They should have got um, uh, Paradis. You know that wasn't Joe Douglas, so I think for Joe Douglas at the time, I, I think it's an I think it's an A move. Um, it helps them a ridiculous amount um, pre snap, you know, post snap uh, in the film room, veteran leadership in the in the locker room, um, and I, I think he'll perform very well this year. And I think people are going to be um, very happy. It's good to see that he's already in shape. He doesn't look like he was on the couch eating a bunch of Oreos and a fat <laughs> slob and has to get into shape. You know, people were worrying about oh well. You know, is he in shape? Yeah, he said he when he came back. I think Scott, you know, you know, you talk to the guys who did interviews all the time, um, but I think he came back like two ninety seven versus playing weight of two ninety five. Mm-hmm. He was running sprints with the with the uh, uh, USC team, so he was staying in shape. Now, is he in football shape? No, it's going to take a little bit. He's at the practice mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and I played football in high school. 
Uh, and trust me that when you go into training camp and you and you're practicing, you're doing two days and all that stuff, which I don't, they can't really do two days anymore. They like walk through as another practice, but, um, you could train as much as you want before you get on the pads. Once you get on the pads, you start banging around people. You're going to be sore. It takes a couple of weeks to get into that football shape. Um, but I think you'll see, I, I think you'll see him play a little bit, maybe in this preseason game coming up. Um, he'll, he'll bang around and practice a little bit. So maybe the first week or two. Um, he looks a little bit off. I think just like Le'Veon Bell m- might look a little bit off his first couple of carries, but he'll 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 bounce back. I think he's in proper shape. Um, he clearly wanted to come back and play. He had the itch. He he stayed in shape. So, um, ten to twelve range. Uh, the offensive line. I I think the interior at this point is is a positive. I I think overall you look at you look at left guard to to right guard. Even though yeah, would you like to improve over the next couple of years? You know, Khalil is getting older, so you're going to re- replace him in a, in a year or two. I don't know if he signs the next contract, maybe Winters goes after this year, depending on free agency, who's available in the draft, et cetera. But I think the overall interior offensive line is a plus with the tackles at this point being being the weakness of this offensive line. So um, I think he could be a, a, around league average, which at this point, league average which versus what it was last year, uh, which was terrible. Let's, let's be honest. And, and listen, I know they're a little bit better in the pass game than the run game. The run game, they were dreadful. Like I'm talking bottom three dreadful entirely. They could not block for anything. It also didn't help not having Powell for a lot of the year and Crawl going out, even though he's not a good running back either. Um, and having guys like McGuire and Ken back there, which you know was great for Donald's rookie year. Uh, so, yeah, so going from from that, a really bad uh, running running run blocking offensive line last year. You know, like I said, bottom three somewhere to the passing the pass blocking which people will argue oh it was average i don't think it was average i think it was still very below average i would put it more in that you know near 25 type range so maybe they weren't as bad as as run blocking but they're still bad enough and people bring up stats and qb hits and pressures i think donald and donald leaving the pocket so freaking early on a lot of plays um it was it was obvious especially around that bears game you know uh, even in the jaguars game where he just did not trust his offensive line and start rolling out almost immediately in a lot of those games i think that helps numbers um, I don't know if they, how they how they kind of factor in QBs and how they scramble or how they move in the pocket. So um, the offensive line was terrible for him last year overall. And from going from that to to average with a much more playmakers on this offense, and from what we've seen in in preseason, uh, the first game of starting offense obviously drove down the Giants' throat and 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 scored a touchdown. Uh, the last game they were driving pretty well. They drove really well the first uh, the first drive. Donald looked fantastic that first drive. Some of those throws he's making was just absurd to be completely honest. Um, and that was not even with his starters. And he didn't, he didn't have, um, he didn't have Le'Veon Bell, who I don't know if you guys have heard about. It's a pretty good running back still at this point. <laughs> he didn't have him. He didn't have Osemele. Uh, it was Alex Lewis, I believe, at left, or is Alex Lewis at left guard. Didn't have Khalil at center. And he didn't, even, he didn't have Winters at right guard. It was uh, Compton. So this offense has a chance to, to carry this defense in, in, in some of these games. It's really exciting to watch. Um, and preseason, I'm really excited to see what they do, um, you know, during the season because, like I said, I, I think this is going to be the best offense the Jets have had um, at, at, at the minimum since 2010, where they were the number one rushing attack in the league. I don't think they're going to be the number one rushing attack in the league again because, you know, they don't have the offensive line that they did, you know, with Brandon Moore and and uh, you know all those guys back in in, in those days. But um, I still do think this this offense has a chance to be you know, uh, in the, in, in the top half of the league, which I don't know, it's been a very long time since I've been that excited about a Jets offense paired with the defense, which, uh, like I said, it's going to have, it's, it's going to have its weaknesses, obviously with the cornerbacks with guys like meander playing and guys I've never heard of. Um, but this, this team is, is exciting. Um, 
as you can tell, I'm, I'm getting a little bit uh, giddy over watching Donald. We, we know what we expected of Donald, but to see him growing you know, on what he did the last four weeks of the season and, and throwing bullets uh, with, with man coverage. I think Samini came out of the stat about like how, how tight coverage the cornerbacks had on Donald's throws. And it was like average separation. Like something was really, really low and it was very obvious. So all the throws he was making, they were really tight windows, um, laser passes, really good recognition, looking guys off, you know, holding linebackers, holding whole defenders. It, that, that, that game versus the Falcons was awesome. Uh, the Giants game. Uh, wasn't as good as a Falcons game um, for me. And I know you're asking about the offensive line, but I'm going to Sam Donald. I've been off the show for a little bit too long, Scott, so so screw you. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but the, the Donald, that first game, like obviously that 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 uh, potential pick um, obviously hurt him. And I, I heard a lot of people talk about it, you know, being, oh, well, he didn't read the defense. Listen, if he didn't read that defense, there's a bigger problem here. Oh, that's not what it was. And we, and we saw him get asked about it after the game, that he was basically just trying to fit a ball into a tight window. That was the most basic form of cover three. I'm guaranteeing you Donald can read that at this point. Um, I think he saw uh, a Nunoir on that speed out, you know, coming open. He thought he could fit the ball into a tight window. And he just threw the ball a little bit inside and was, and was being a little bit risky with it. So it's not like he was – that's a different play than if he was confused and couldn't recover three. I'd be a lot more concerned. I, th- I think he just tried to be a little bit risky. And that's what we're going to see over Donald's career with him being a little bit of a gunslinger at times. Where he'll, he'll, he's going to be a guy who gets some picks because he's a little bit risky at times. But um, that throw, if that's, if that's picked off, people are looking at that game a lot you know, more differently than they did. So you can't just – Okay, well, he didn't pick the ball off, so it's so it's a so that that you know now that's not on our minds. Just like you know the the Vikings game. Okay, he hits a Sharon Peak in the chest on a play, and it's an interception. So now everybody looks at it as a negative when really you, know, you should look at it as as there's kind of just a wash because he hit a guy in the chest and it wasn't Donald's fault that it bounced off. So people are really result driven instead of looking at how it actually happened and and the process to that. But um, overall, Donald has looked great. The offense has looked very very good, and that's without a lot of starters in the last few games as well. So. Um, I'm definitely excited, and Khalil definitely, you know, uh, aids to that excitement. I would say that the last time we had reason to be this excited about a Jets offense would have been 2015 when they had Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker and an emerging Quincy Inunua. And people even forget about the fact that Chris Ivory was really, really good that year until he got hurt. You were really excited going into that year with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick as our quarterback? Well, no, but they did still have guys at every position yeah. that were good, so at least we were excited going into it. I wasn't as excited with Ryan Fitzpatrick as I am with second-year <laughs> Sam Darnold, obviously. But I'm just saying the Jets that year finished in the top half of the league in every major category yeah. on offense. So if they could be even as good as that this year, that would be a massive step forward. And like you said, yeah. Joe, it's been several years since the Jets' offense could have carried anything so if they're able to do it this year, I think it'll be a really positive sign. And it'll be really good for your fantasy team this year because if the Jets are doing well on offense, that means that if you picked some of the key members of the Jets' offense to be on your fantasy team, Sam Darnold, Le'Veon Bell, Jamison Crowder, Christopher Herndon, Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inunua, those guys are going to be helping you every Sunday. And if you're going to be playing fantasy football this year, you want to be doing it with the Draft app and Draft.com. Reason being, they have the best ball championship going on, and the grand prize is $3.5 million, and it's really easy to play. It's a simple snake draft. You don't have to worry about stuff like salary cap or auctions. It couldn't be less complex. Plus, you don't have to worry about roster management either. You pick your players, and they will make sure that your best players are in every single week sound good it should who wouldn't want a shot at 3.5 million dollars well 
Here's something to make it even better. You can get that shot at the $3.5 million for free with your first deposit at the draft app and draft.com if you use the promo code PLAYLIKE. That's PLAYLIKE, P-L-A-Y-L-I-K-E. Use that promo code when you make your first deposit over at the draft app and draft.com and you will be entered to play against me and a bunch of other people too for that $3.5 million grand prize with the best ball championship where depending on how your draft shakes out, you may very well have Sam Darnold as your quarterback for the season. You heard Joe gush about Sam Darnold. You're going to hear a lot about Sam Darnold in a future Sam Darnold show that we're going to do before the season starts. Also, we talked about Khalil today. We've got another show coming out where we are going to review the rest of the offensive line. And we threw in Jonathan Harrison, too, just so you could get an idea of what the offensive line might have been like if he was the center instead of Khalil. So that's coming as well. We've got an XNL quick hits on Tremaine Johnson coming your way. So a lot of good film stuff coming before the season starts. Joe, thanks so much for hopping on with me again, as always. Always a fun time, and I appreciate it. For anybody that isn't watching your show right now, I don't know what you're doing with your life. You should go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Turn On The Jets TV. But if they aren't watching, why don't you let them know what they're missing out on? Because I know that you've done a bunch of shows recently, and you've got a bunch coming up. We're doing all the preseason tape. The first week was like 29 plays or 30 plays. This this show I'm going to do probably in a couple of days. I don't know if it's going to be released, but... Um, like Monday or Tuesday, whatever it's going to be. Um, of this week, I'm going to be releasing the uh, preseason game um, of the Falcons, going over about 40 plays of that game. Got a couple more. Obviously, we do the rest of the preseason. We'll talk about uh, Marcus Coleman. He'll, he's coming back uh, during the offseason. He takes a break because he coaches a, a professional uh, arena league team uh, where he's a general manager as well, so he's quite busy. So we're going to do a recap of what he thinks about the Jets offseason. He's coming back and breaking down film within 11 year veteran in the NFL, you know, three interceptions in the Monday night miracle guy who definitely knows what he's talking about um, is very, very exciting. And it'll be a grand times where I'll hear Marcus Coleman's name. Like, Oh yeah. Well, Marcus Coleman was good back. And he said, like, he's my co-host. Like, that's, that's pretty cool. So I uh, definitely <laughs> worth checking out uh, Twitter, Joe RB 31, where I put up all the film. I just consistently um, just putting up film, film, film. Like I said, preseason games, Khalil still going up now uh, going to try to get uh, Ryan Griffin, James Burgess jr. And uh, Marcus Cooper done uh, the new corner that they got uh, before the season. So uh, definitely worth a follow. Toj Space Film Space Room on iTunes, YouTube. Just I've been turning Jets. You'll see it there. But uh, there's no there's no BS on the show. It's all film. I'm not going to lie to you about anything I see on film. There's no way to hide on film. So uh, if you really want to know the Jets team and understand how they're good, how they're bad, concepts, defenses, etc., um, definitely the, the, the show to watch instead of just hearing the same old storylines that are recycled over and over and over and over and over and over again. So I uh, appreciate the listens, uh, any likes, subscriptions, comments, anything, uh, interactions. Uh, I, I love talking football, so you can find me uh, any one of those places. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter at JoeRB31. Help push him over the 3,000 mark. He should have been there a long time ago, so you can help make that happen. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Turn On The Jets TV. Make sure that you stick around in the coming weeks before the season starts, too, because like I said, we're going to have a lot more film shows. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn On The Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.